Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Yesterday was, in fact, just the start of, quote, legal tampering. Of course, it was the start because there's no way anybody would be talking before that, right? Yesterday was the day the teams just started having conversations with players and their reps And then within seconds, they were agreeing to multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts. I mean, what are they doing these things on? Cocktail napkins? It happens that fast? Amazing. Anyway, ton of money flying around yesterday that I will get to later on. But there are a couple of facts that you need to know right off the top. Number one, Aaron Rodgers signed his contract this morning. Now, that was a formality. Nobody was expecting him to not sign it, especially after he announced on Twitter that he would be back. But now it's actually official. And according to Tom Pelissero, it's officially rather large. Pelissero tweeted, quote, On first read of Packers QB Aaron Rodgers' new contract, he gets $42 million in 2022, $59.515 million in 2023, 49.3 49.3 mil in 2024. So that's 150.815 mil over the next three years, and the first two are fully guaranteed at signing. End of quote. It's a lot of cash. And you know what? He's worth every last penny. If Kirk Cousins is getting what he's going to get, Rodgers is definitely worth that and a whole hell of a lot more. So, really good news, obviously, for Rodgers and the Packers. And obviously, terrible news for Jordan Love, because that means he's either going to get dealt or he's got to ride the bench in Green Bay a little longer. Bench the Love or trade him. What's not totally clear, however, is how many years Rodgers is going to play. But for now, we know that Green Bay and Rodgers will be together this coming year. And as long as he is in Green Bay, they have got to look at a Super Bowl. We know this. That's a fact. All right, so there's that right off the very top. He's got his deal. It's signed, apparently. Here's another fact off the very top. You better get used to hearing about the L.A. Chargers because they're in it, and they're not stopping. They've got a stud quarterback. They've got a freaky running back. They've got a dynamic set of wide receivers. They've got a head coach who I come away with more impressed every time I talk to him. And they're taking big swings. Big ass swings. They already made that deal for Cleo Mack last week. Then they chased that by adding the best cornerback in free agency. J.C. Jackson, a.k.a. Mr. I.N.T. Jackson? Ah, you didn't see that, did you, Alvy? Jackson? Thank you. Oh, you're going to try to make up for it now? I'll make up for it now. Jungle Tourette's is real, isn't it? Even I suffer from it. So Jackson is going from the Patriots to the Chargers for a deal worth a reported 82.5 mil. 40 of that guaranteed. He had eight picks last year, and that was down from the year before when he had nine. He has 25 INTs in his first four seasons, which is the most by anybody in their first four seasons in four decades. And do you remember... When Chargers head coach Brandon Staley was on this show recently and we talked about cornerbacks, do you remember what he said about corners? If you don't, here it is. Jim, you just said it, and that's where the NFL is right now, is with these quarterbacks and in the passing game. You better have guys who can cover. 
as much as everyone talks about rushers, you know, you've probably heard that, like, well, rushers, well, you can neutralize rushers. So if that happens, do you have the cover guys that can hold up? You know, and, and, and to me, it's, it's onboarding as many defensive backs as possible who can cover, who can play the ball in the deep part of the field, and who are outstanding tacklers. And so the secondary is where it's at on defense in the NFL, you know, as long as I'm the head coach. And I know that Dean and Tom, you know, Dean, John, Tom, myself, we believe in that wholeheartedly is, is, is building a secondary um, that can go against all these big-time players because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there are a bunch of them right now playing quarterback and receiver. You want to talk about a precursor. Like, he could not have been any more clear or emphatic about that. And then he went out and did that. I mean, when you hear something like that, you knew he was going to go out and pull the trigger and get somebody big time. And what he did was go out and get the guy at the position. The guy at the position and landed him. And it's going to be a great fit. Jackson told Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston that he is fired up about that move. He said, quote, Love L.A., love Cali. Not only that, the defense. I think I can add some value to that defense. That's a stacked group, and imagine me there. It's going to be scary, end quote. It's a great quote. It's a good call, too, J.C. Good call, J.C. I mean, I-N-T. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong when you say it could be scary. It could be really scary. Or to quote James Harden with the Nets, it's about to be, quote, scary hours, end of quote, for everybody in the AFC West and the AFC overall. Like, if you're playing in a division with the likes of Patrick, Russell, and Derek, and if you're in a conference with the likes of Joe and Josh, man, you better have a pass rush. You better have a pass rush, and you better have elite defensive backs. And the Chargers have that in Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr. and Derwin James. Because, like the Rams before them, now the Chargers are all freaking in. They were this close to the playoffs last year, but they aren't looking to make the playoffs this year. They're looking to win the whole damn thing. I love that. The proverbial, they're not here to take part. They're here to take over. They're here to win it all. And not in two years, and not in three years, but they're looking to win it all this year. Because they know. They know they've got that window with Justin Herbert on his rookie deal where they can be really aggressive and take those big swings, and that's exactly what they're doing. And the thing I love about it, this is exactly how Staley coaches, and this is exactly how the organization is running their offseason. And yes, I know what you're thinking. Great, Rome. How about their run defense? J.C. Jackson is not going to help their run defense. No, probably not. Probably want, probably not. But you know who will? Sebastian Joseph Day, one of the best run stoppers in football last season. And they have reportedly agreed to terms with SJD to bring him over from the Rams. Another move that I love. Hey, Rome, why are you spending so much time on SoCal football? Because I live in SoCal. Because I said the same thing about the Rams, and then they went out and they won it all. And now the Chargers, thank you, Alvin. Thank you very much for picking me up, Alvin. And now the Chargers are going out and trying to do the same thing. Brandon Staley, going back to SJD now, Staley obviously knows him and his game from his time as the Rams D coordinator. So naturally, SJD is a good fit in Staley's scheme. But it's not just about great schemes. It's about guys who fit 
in that scheme and who can max out their talent and their ability in that scheme. And they weren't done. They didn't stop there. They also reportedly agreed to terms with former Giants defensive lineman Austin Johnson. Now, given how much I've laughed at the Giants over the past few years, and by the way, given how much I've laughed about the Giants over the last couple of years, I probably could have laughed even more. I probably should have. But given that, it is kind of weird to hype somebody who is a part of that clown show. Except Johnson was actually one of the few bright spots. Another strong run stopper. And the fact that being around Joe Judge did not ruin his love of football says a hell of a lot about the guy. And they still have the draft. They can do damage there. I mean, maybe I'm getting greedy. But could you imagine the look of one Jordan Davis, that 340-pound speed merchant? How about you put that guy in the middle? And then let him rake, wreak chaos. Chaos will reign. He'll wreak havoc is what I'm getting at. Or maybe they go a different direction. Maybe they add some speed outside. Either way, I love the mentality. I love the big swings. Shout out to Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco. Nothing but respect for how these guys are attacking it. I haven't said it in a minute or two. But I need, I need to say it more right now than I think I ever have at least in a number of years. Give me a minute to work up to this. Crack my neck, set it up. Show me your lightning bolt! You heard me, AFC West. You think me and Brandon are afraid of Russ? Leslie O'Neill ain't walking through that door. And he doesn't need to because Khalil has already knocked that bitch in. Aaron Donald broke your finger. Mac will break your back. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and don't look now, but Jesus Christ, it's Jesus Christ Jackson. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Holy Rodney Harrison, this guy's a baller. I can't believe it. Somebody said to me the other day, hey, 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 butter knife, you still doing your thing? The hell you think? You know who the hell you're talking to? The butter knife. Hey, hey, Casey, you're our bitch. You know how I make this face in order to make this voice? What if my face gets stuck? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, Patrick, congrats on your upcoming nuptials. I love that word, nuptial. Congratulations on that. I got something for your registry. It's a... Bosa Mac pressure cooker, and your goose is cooked. <laughs> I did it again. I did it again. Hey, how about your honeymoon? Gotta have a honeymoon, right? I got you one-way tickets to Pick City. Compliments of Derwin and JC. Ah. Hey, 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 car. My throat is parched from doing this impression for so long. What do you say you head on over to the fridge and get me a brew, you pus thrower? Make a real brew, too. None of that light brew stuff. Hey, hey, and while you're in the kitchen, do me a favor. Take the butter out of the fridge. Nobody likes hard butter. It's impossible to get on your toast. I hate it when it wrecks the bread. Hard butter sucks, and so do the Raiders. Ah, 
Get to the quarterback and get that butter to room temperature, you morons. San Diego, who the hell knows what's going on down there, but I, you know I got your back. Just like Khalil Mack will put quarterbacks on their back. I did it again. Ha! <laughs> I am pumped oh, to man. announce that Manscaped has launched their ultra-premium collection. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. So join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code ROAM. You can now enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra-premium collection. This package includes Manscaped Premium Deodorant, it dries clear, it's aluminum-free, and it smells like their signature scent, plus their hydrating body moisturizer. It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. And body wash with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with one easy step. And a free gift. A three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. I'm telling you, this package is incredible. Get that ultra-premium collection Hot right off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Rome at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Rome at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. Andy Kennedy is my guest. Andy, it's good to have you back. How are you? Rome, I'm good, man. How are you? Man, I'm super. I'm awesome. So you and I spoke exactly two years ago when you were hired at UAB, and we talked about the fact that you were taking over a job at the start of what ultimately turned out to be a massive pandemic. Less than two years later, here we are again. You're in the NCAA tournament. How does it feel, and how hyped are you for Friday? Man, it feels great. I'm really proud of this group. You know, we, we took over, as you said, amidst the global pandemic, a complete roster turnover, and we we'd never even met the guys that were going to be a part of our team until they finally got to campus. Uh, thankfully, this recruiting season, it was a little bit different, even though COVID was still hanging around, as it still is. Uh, we, we felt like we had to address some needs that we discovered in year one, uh, and I think we've done that. We brought in a number of quality players, led obviously by the lightning bolt that is Jordan Jelly Walker, he comes in here as a, as a two-time transfer, started at Seton Hall, then went to Tulane where his third school, I'm actually his fourth head coach, and he comes in and, and has been tremendous conference player of the year, conference tournament MVP. Um, he's been a catalyst for us taking this next step. Now you knew, Andy Kennedy is my guest, you knew I was going there next. He had 27 in the conference championship win over Louisiana Tech. That came the day after he scored 40 in the triple OT win over Middle Tennessee. He is, as you point out, the CUSA Player of the Year, MVP of the tourney. You knew he was good, but what did you see in him to let you knew or know that he could have this kind of an impact on your team and program? Well, I, I knew Jim. He was a dynamic playmaker. You know, he, he, he had success at Tulane with his ability to score. Uh, 
their style of play was much different than ours. We're, we're an up-tempo group. We've got the 28th most efficient offense in college basketball, averaging over 80 points per game. And I knew that if we put him in an up-and-down system, uh, we press throughout the course of the game. We've got a number of guys that can knock down shots so that when teams do try to scheme and game plan for him, we have other guys that can take advantage of it as we're the ninth most efficient three-point shooting team in college basketball. So the combination of all those things, I knew was going to put Jelly in the, in the best position possible for him to showcase his ability, and he has taken the reins and ran. Andy Kennedy joining us. Let me ask you about Taven Lovin. He had 11-7 and seven in the win. You said he might be the greatest teammate on the team. What do you mean by that? What's he bring to it? Terrific kid. Pleaser, Jim, unlike me or you. <laughs> Speak for he yourself. Aims to, he, <laughs> he aims to please all the time. He, he has a pit bull type game, but certainly not a pit bull type mentality. So I'm constantly trying to pull it out of him. Uh, he played tremendous for us in, in the finals, 11 and 7, as you said. And it's going to be a big key for us if we have a chance against a very good Houston team, which is the epitome of a pit bull. That is a pit bull team right there. Andy Kennedy is joining us. Now, you played for Gene Bartow, of course, at UAB, and from day one, Andy, you, since you returned, you said your goal was to get the program back to that Gene Bartow standard. How would you define that standard, and are you there yet? Well, that standard would mean cutting down the nets, uh, being a conference champion, and having the opportunity to play meaningful basketball, i.e. the NCAA tournament in the month of March. Uh, the, these last two weeks have been the culmination of trying to get back to that standard. We're sitting here at 27 and 7. 27 is the most wins in the storied 44 year history of this program. We're, we're a conference champion again for the sixth time, uh, in this storied program's history. And we're going to our 16th NCAA tournament. So we feel like we've made major strides towards getting this program back to coach's standard. All right, so I, I know you don't want to make it about you, but let me ask you something. You were in TV before taking this job, and as we talked about, you don't lose games when you're broadcasting. Now, people around the game, even people outside the sport like Hugh Freeze, have been hyping you and the job that you've done as a coach. Does it feel like any kind of validation for you? And is there any part of you that wants to say, hey, y'all, how do you like me now? Or do you feel like saying that to anybody who's ever doubted did you? Is there any of that fuel? Well, you know, obviously I, I'm a competitor, and, and to your point, I, I did the TV thing, and it was great for me. It was great for my perspective, Jim. You know, I'd been in this grind forever, and it allowed me to see things differently. And everybody would say, man, why would you get back in that grind, man? You never, you never lose a game in TV. And I would say, well, you never win one either. Hmm. I, I like the grind. I embrace the grind. And, and for me, you know, I, I was afforded the opportunity to come back to my alma mater, a place that means a lot to me. And for us to have this success and start building this back to the Gene Bartow standard is, is, is all of the recognition that I need. This is really about the kids. And anytime you have success, obviously with that will come uh, uh, some, some good notoriety. And, and, and that's great for us in building our brand. But for me, it's really focusing on you know, trying to extend our seven-game win streak to number eight on Friday night. All right, so knowing the history that 12 seeds have had in the NCAA tournament, what was your reaction when you saw your name come up as a 12? I, I was anticipating a 12. I thought we might have a chance to get to an 11 based on our, our numbers, but I was anticipating a 12. When I saw Houston come up opposite us, I've got so much respect for Kelvin Sampson. What a tremendous job he's doing uh, of rebuilding Houston basketball. You're talking about a rich tradition. Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Guy Lewis – 
and then it hit a little bit of a downturn. So he has certainly revitalized that into a national program. We're talking to Andy Kennedy. He's fierce, isn't he? He is tough, tough. His teams are tough. So when you go up against him in Houston in the first round, what are your early thoughts, particularly on that matchup? What is the key for you and your team? You know, we pride ourselves in playing a lot like Houston in that, you know, winning the effort areas. They're tremendous off the glass. They don't give you anything free. And then defensively, they are a monster, one of the best in all of college basketball. Ken Palm's got them rated as the 11th most efficient defense in college basketball. And we come in, uh, another program first rated the 28th most efficient offense in college basketball. We shoot the three well. I think we're uh, ninth in efficiency in college basketball, and they defend it as well as anybody in the country. So it's going to be ultimately who is going to be best version of self. We've got to be better at what we do than they are at what they do in order to give ourselves a chance. That's it. Got to be best version of yourself. Andy Kennedy joins me for a few more moments. You know, you've got a team that's been tested now, tested in games against South Carolina, West Virginia, San Francisco, and more. The connections to West Virginia and South Carolina are special because Bob Huggins is one of your mentors. You coach Frank Martin. This is a huge hug house. This is a huge Frank Martin house. What did you learn from working with them? Well, Bob Huggins is my mentor. He's my guy. He had a little bit of a down year this year, but, you know, we all know he's a future Hall of Famer, one of the best in the business. And when I watch Houston, Rome, I, I, it, it, I reflect back on my time at Cincinnati when I was working for Hugs. Frank and I were assistants there together. And uh, it, when I watch Houston play, it reminds me of the old Cincinnati Bearcats of the early 2000s where, quite frankly, their best offense is a missed shot. Uh, and I live that. So I respect that type of basketball. Uh, Hugs is, is my is my brother, and then Frank Martin. You know, I, I got the news yesterday that that his time at, at South Carolina had come to an end, and we spoke last night. We are truly brothers from another. Uh, and I told him, man, you will always be remembered. You did, he did a great job at South Carolina. Took him to their first ever Final Four. But you know, it's a tough business, and when you're around a long time, I lived it at Ole Miss. You know, sometimes uh, the appetite for change is overwhelming. I'll tell you what, I y- yes. Yes, I love both those guys. I mean, I'll just say it for the record. I love both of them. Really quickly about Frank and South Carolina, now that they parted ways, what does that program or what will that program miss when he leaves? Well, they're going to miss a determined leader who always had his guys prepared, always held them accountable, and they played to a standard, which was a Frank Martin standard, and he he put that stamp on South Carolina basketball. Andy, in terms of the standard, really quickly, do you talk to your guys about the standard and standard over feelings? Is that something that ever comes up? Every day, Jim. Every day. Uh, you know, I, I don't really care about feelings. Feelings are, are flippant. Uh, for us, we want to be relentless in our pursuit of excellence. That is on and off the court. We want to be consistent in our approach. And then we're ultimately always going to be grateful for the opportunity. That's our standard. There it is. He's the head basketball coach at UAB, second season there. They had a great, great regular season and now a great opportunity. They've got a matchup in the South against number or against Houston. They are a 12 seed. Love that matchup. Andy Kennedy is the head coach. Andy, it's good to have you back. Great to see where you are. Good luck on Friday. I know it's a big one, and I'll be really anxious to see how it plays out. Good luck to you. Hey, Rome, I appreciate you, my friend. Listen. The very best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a day. The same is true when it comes to your long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It's commission-free, and it makes growing your money easier so you can strategize for the end game. 
build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio. That keeps your investments close to where you want them. That way your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. There are no huddle-ups needed. Visit m1finance.com sports. That's M with the number one. Sign up and see why Money, Investopedia, and Yahoo Finance are proud super fans of M1. That's M, the number one, dot com slash sports. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. John Becker is our guest. John, it's really nice to have you on. How are you? Great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's great to have you, John. So I know you made the flight from Burlington to Buffalo earlier today. How does it feel to be in town and just two days away from the first round? Oh, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we've had a great year. I love this team and, and we're excited to see what we can do Thursday night. All right. So you have had a great year. You're coming off a huge win over UMBC in the championship game. You beat them 82-43. I'm curious, like your team from the outside, at least when I'm looking at you guys, it seems like you show up every single night. Obviously, that's a championship game, so you know that you will. But how pleased were you with the effort, the performance and the way they handled their business? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been an incredible week. Uh, you know, we won by an average of 37 points uh you know there was a scoring margin in the three playoff games this year and, and like you said this team has showed up all year long um you know and and um i was really happy we play a really kind of relentless style on both sides of the ball and have shot the three really well and um i was just hoping that in the playoffs we wouldn't change uh the way we've played all year and and, and certainly we didn't um the guys were um you know focused and, and played great and um yeah, we kind of rolled through the, the playoffs, which is, uh, as a coach, <laughs> very gratifying. John Pecker joining us. You know, John, when you mentioned that you were hoping that the guys continue to play with consistency in the way they had throughout the year once the playoffs started, then you go into the NCAA tournament. It seems like you've got a lot of experience on that roster. How much of a benefit is that when you're going into the NCAA tourney and you've got a group of guys who you know are not going to be awestruck by the moment and that it's not going to be too big? Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. I, I think, you know, per Ken Palm, we're the fourth oldest team in the country, and uh, a lot of guys have played in the NCAA tournament already. So, um, yeah, this group has been very, um, you know, level-headed, you know, e- e- despite, you know, the excitement of being in the NCAA tournament. Um, that, you know, we're, we're hoping to, to, to stay in this tournament, and uh, these guys have uh, been great all year, and, and yes, yeah, certainly have an experience. I mean, I, I think everyone in college basketball is older, just with everyone getting the COVID year back. But, um, but, but for us, um, having that experience um, it, it is really key. And, and uh, you know, I know the guys are, um, you know, it's a business trip, and and uh, they'll be focused and locked in here, and and uh, we'll put a game plan together. And um, you know, we have a lot of confidence the guys will go out and execute. Vermont head coach John Becker is my guest. So obviously you're locked in. You're looking ahead. If I could get you to look back for one special moment. In the America East Championship game, you subbed out Justin Missoula, and the two yeah. of you had a huge embrace. His father passed yeah. away during the season. Your father passed away during the season. I'm curious, is there any way to describe or to put into words what that embrace was like for both of you? Yeah, I mean, it was really emotional. And, and Justin, this is his first 
uh, he started at George Washington and, and then came over, uh, transferred to us, and, and this is his uh, um, his first NCAA, you know, uh, uh, appearance. And um, he's just one of those kids. He, you know, his brother's Joe Missoula, who was a great player at West Virginia, and now is assistant coach with the Celtics. And they're just a basketball family. And um, it was his 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 dream, his goal, and, and, and he was very upfront about that. And um, you know, and, and so he's just put so much into our program and into his teammates and into his own game, um, you know, and he just wanted it so bad. So when, you know, when I subbed him out and, you know, kind of realized that, that, that it was going to happen, you know, and, and, and he was so close with his dad, who was his, his coach and, um, you know, was raised him uh, essentially. And, and, um, and so, um I knew how, you know, how much he's been hurting all year, uh, not, you know, his dad not being able to see him play and have the success he was having. And so, um, you know, and then I lost my dad. And so, you know, uh, I, I really knew that feeling of losing a dad and, and, and what that what that means and, and how much that hurts. And so it was just, um, you know, the emotions just came out of both of us. And, um, you know, I love that kid. And, um, and uh it meant the world uh, to me to be able to uh, get him to the NCAA tournament. Beautiful thoughts. John Becker joining us. Really, really, I mean, it's so cliche, John, but there is no playbook for that type of thing. You're a leader, and you're the guy that everybody leans on, but then something happens to you, and who do you lean on, and there is no playbook. You know, I'm always so fascinated by the journey that coaches take to get where they are. Like, back in the day, you worked summers at Strain Right. What was that job like? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I used to uh you have strain up my my neighbors owned a business up in New Haven, Connecticut and it was a I worked in the warehouse and and uh, you know and and then drove trucks and delivered product they they made filtration bags for, you know, chemicals and um and things like that and and um yeah, I mean I I worked in factories uh, my whole life kind of coming up and um and uh yeah, it's just uh, hopefully giving me some perspective, um, you know, that I can pass along to my players. And, and certainly um, I have an appreciation for being able to be a basketball coach and, and be around these great kids and, and, and to do this for a living, um, you know, and, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I want to say one thing about that, though, John. Like, when you say that I worked in factories coming up, so I have this perspective, yes, absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, you also helped out in the family business. I helped out in my family business. I don't know about you and how that went for you. It did not go well for me because my father, like, I talked him into it. He knew that I never wanted to be in the family business, and I kind of wore him down and talked him into it when he said no repeatedly. And he had a factory, and I worked in the factory, and I hated it, and that's why I was so determined to get back in radio. Now, when you say you worked in factories, it's that's not the only thing you did like you were involved in a startup you were positioned to make a lot of money in the tech field but you went the coaching route as an assistant at catholic university and then as the basketball ops director at vermont like what was that tradition like professionally and financially yeah i mean financially it wasn't great um but uh but you know i I just i don't know I, i just woke up one day and just said you know what this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and, and, um, you know, I had a young family and, and I, and I wanted to provide and obviously, um, the best I could and, and make money. And, and, uh, but I just knew in my heart that this is not what I was meant to do or what I was supposed to do. And it didn't feel right. And, and, you know, you, you kind of talk yourself out of it for a lot of years. Um, 
because you want to provide and because, um, you know, because of that. And, um, but when, you know, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, um, you know, just keep lying to myself like that, I guess. And so Jimmy Patsos, who was a, uh, love him. Was a co- yeah, was the assistant, uh, coach at Maryland at the time. I called him up and, and, uh, started working Gary Williams basketball camp back in the early nineties. And, and, um, and an opportunity, you know, the, the head coach at Gallaudet University, Jimmy DiStefano, who's one of my favorite people in the world, um, he um, he reached out to Jimmy looking for an assistant coach, you know, make a couple thousand dollars part-time gig. And Jimmy recommended me, and I went over and interviewed with Jimmy, and he's deaf, and I and I didn't know sign language at the time. and um, But we were able to communicate. His brother had gone to Catholic University where I went to school, and there was a connection there. We just hit it off immediately, and I ended up being at Gallaudet um, for five years, and and um, and um, that kind of started the journey. And then I got out of coaching because the money was, you know, I was only making a couple thousand dollars, and I was working full time at Georgetown University in the computer. In the computer, um, I, I used to go around to the student computer labs, and, and back when you know there was no wireless or people didn't really have computers you had to go to the computer lab to, to to type up papers and whatnot and i was managing the computer labs on georgetown's campus university's campus and, and then going across town to to coach in the afternoon and 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 into the night and um i did that for five years and it just um it just you know i had to make a decision and and so i i got out of coaching um when they wouldn't make the job full-time at, at gallaudet and um and yes, I was out of it for a couple of years, and then again, I kind of just was like, "What am I doing?" And um, anyway, an opportunity at Catholic University opened up when Mike Lonergan left to, to be an assistant at Maryland, and then and then eventually the head coach of Vermont, and um, and I went to work for Steve Howes for a couple of years, um, and then um, ended up at Vermont uh, as a, as the ops guy, and then as an assistant, and then. Uh, Somehow they gave me the job up here 11 years ago, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah, it is, except it could have gone a different route. Now, are you yep. also not, not what you think, I'm not going where you think, are you also not a drummer, and never mind all these basketball influences, if you're a drummer, are you like, are you a John Bonham guy, a Keith Moon guy, a Neil Peart yeah. guy? Like, what are the influences? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, all those guys, um, but you know the Rolling Stones probably um, is 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 probably just a blues drummer. You know, pretty simple, but uh, but can lay down a nice nice beat for the guys to play over top of. And uh, yeah, we have fun every Thursday night. Uh, a group of my friends come up, come to the house. I have a little studio in my basement, and and we uh, we have some fun and play some music. And uh, yeah, it's a great release. Hey, John, I never get the answer I'm looking for, and yet I keep asking the question. I don't know when I'm going to learn, but I'll, I'll ask you, and I think I already know since you just said it, but Stones or The Who? For me, The Stones. Yep, I knew it. I should not, I should not keep asking the question. I never get the answer I want. I love The Stones. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a Who guy, but I love The Stones. All right, so one last yeah, thought. They're both you, unbelievably yeah. great. But right? Yeah, yeah, I, yep. All right, so Eric Musselman and I, last thought, he and I go way, way back. We actually, I, I joke about it, but it's true. He and I came up together. Like, when we were both 23 and I was working in local radio and he was in the CBA, I started to interview him. This was long before there was the internet or social media. He and I go way back, so I know the intensity that he, he and his team are going to bring on Thursday, and I know you do too. When you look at them as an opponent, what kind of thoughts do you have? 
Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, they're relentless. They're going to guard. They're going to... Uh, they're going to play downhill all night. They're going to be super aggressive offensively. They're going to, uh, like I said, guard you, cut the court in half, and and um, make you play, so to speak. And um, yeah, they're tough. I, I mean, I competed against his Nevada team in the semifinals of the CBI in 2016, I believe, and they beat us up pretty good. Uh, he had a really good team uh, up there and and out there, and and so. Um, um, yeah, they're they're good. I mean, you know, when you're a 13 seed playing a four seed, you're playing, you know, one of the best teams in the country, and they're they're certainly that. All right, listen, I have not spoken to him this week, but I would imagine when he saw that, he probably saw you as a 13 and thought, "Wow, man, that is a tough, <laughs> tough 13." And listen, how it goes this time of year, you have to deal with them. They have to deal with you too, though. It's going to be a really good matchup. It's Vermont yep. and Arkansas Thursday. Can't wait to see it. John Becker is the head coach of Vermont. Hey, John, great conversation. Thanks for making time the week of the game, and really good to talk to you and Vermont basketball. Yeah, Jim, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've been a huge fan my whole life, so uh, keep up the great work. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. All right, so like there's this weird thing going on right now. And, and again, I want to acknowledge the show. I want you to know I've got an open mind. I want you to know that I do care what you think. And I hear what you think. And I see what you thumb out. I'm just saying it's my job to check you. That if I don't, who will? And if I let you run amok and I let you run wild, then I don't know where to put food on my plate. It's my job to check you. But I'm paying attention. I've got an open mind. So there's this weird thing going on right now. A bizarre groundswell of clone support for Lawrence today. Maybe you thought it was harsh when I told him that he's been banned and he doesn't know it. But people are rallying around Parody Larry all of a sudden. For instance, 143C1 tweets, Taking a call from Parody Larry will instantly make it better. How do you figure, Carl? Has it ever before? Why would it today? How is that going to make it better? Make what better? Maybe make your life better, but it's not going to make my show better. How do I know? I've heard this guy's catalog. I've heard his greatest hits. I know his body of work. I know Lawrence. But still, a weird, bizarre, groundswell of support for Larry. Jamie in Green Bay. Quote, take Larry's call, you cowards. Cowards. (laughs) The reason I'm not taking his call is not because I'm afraid. Actually, that's exactly the reason. I am afraid. I'm afraid he's going to bring me down. I'm afraid it's going to make the show worse. 
No, you're right. I am a coward. If that's what being a coward is. Cowards. Jaime, Larry, give the kid a break. Let him have his 20 or 30 seconds. All right, that's more reasonable than, hey, Rome, you coward. Cowards. Dave is in. So, Parody Larry is on hold. Take the call. We haven't heard the buzzer in a while. Let me see. Here's actual Larry himself. Let me see what he's saying on Twitter. Really, Jim? So, I'm unofficially blocked? But you'll take every call from those flea-ridden, mangy pooches named Paul's Dog and Muttley in L.A.? Ask the clones who they'd rather hear. I'd win easily. All right, first of all, dude, you would not win over Paul's Dog. You wouldn't. You may battle, quote, Muttley in L.A. Here's the thing, Parody Larry. I don't need to ask the clones Jack. I care what they think. But I don't need to put it to a vote of the clones as to whether or not I want to put you on the air. Believe it or not, Lawrence, I can make that decision all by myself. I don't need to put it to a vote, Larry. If somebody can make a persuasive argument to me that I should put you on and it will make it better, then I'll make that decision, Larry. The clones don't make the decisions, Larry. They matter. Absolutely. I would, like, I would never have the life that I have without you clones. But if I always let you do what you want to do, I would not have the life that I have. Larry. Larry's tremendous. Wait, put it to a vote. Put it to a vote, Rome. I'm not even saying that I'm always right. Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong pretty often. Well, not that often. Actually, very rarely. But I own it when I am. I don't know, Larry. Like, I, I started to think about, you know what? Maybe I'm being a little harsh. Maybe I'm being unreasonable. Right when I was about to put you on, you come up with this democratic process bullcrap. Put it to a vote. Put it to a vote. You're doing me all wrong. Put it to a vote. They, they definitely like me better than Muttley. Oh, oh, you're going to wave some democratic process bullcrap in my face. I've done you wrong. Put it to a vote. I'm going to tell you about your democratic process, Lawrence. Here's your democratic process. My bleeping show. I do whatever the hell I want. There's your democratic process. How's that? How's that for democratic process? Put it to a vote? Tell you what, Larry. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to get pissed. I will keep an open mind. Because like I said, there is a bizarre groundswell of support for you today. Strangely. Let's go to the phones. The thing about Larry is, there's two things. One, if he calls, we know what he's going to do. A terrible parody. Number two, before he in fact gets to that terrible parody, he'll give me a terrible take. Even after I've told him a million times, dude, you've been glossed parody Larry for a reason. Your gloss is not bad take Larry. You don't get greedy either and start the call off with a take, which is going to be worse than the song. You're parody Larry, not terrible take Larry. Now, here's a guy who's been known to do a song or two. When they're good, they're incredible. When they're not, they're not. 
And his phone line often is pretty bad. However, this is a guy that when he squares one up, it travels. Let's find out. And I don't know what he's here to sing about, but I'm about to find out. It's been a minute. John in Little Rock. What's going on, John? What's up, Rome? Long time, baby. I love the show. Don't take Larry's call. He will never make it better. He will never make it better. Don't take Larry's call. Cause he will write a scarlet letter. He will write a scarlet letter. Don't take Larry's call. So don't, don't, don't take Larry's call. Cause he will never grow up to be Gorilla Ball. Don't take Larry's call. Rack him. John and Little Rock. Right when there was a groundswell of support for Parody Larry, Parody John and Little Rock comes with a parody about not taking his call. How good is that? Oh, man, that was so good. Lawrence, I hate to say it, my man. He just murdered you. Larry, you don't want to get on the air after that just happened. Now, I know Larry. Larry's like, no, no, my stuff's better. I'm better. I'm better. You're not better than that, dude. No matter what you have locked and loaded, it's not better than that. You can try and say that you're better than, quote, Muttley or better than Paul's dog. You are not better than that. A guy just did what you do about you and wrecked you. My man, stay down. Stay down. Stay down. Stay down. You trying to get up is only going to get you stomped in the head. Stay down. Stay down. That actually was incredible. John in Little Rock, didn't I tell you, when it comes to a ceiling, like when my man's good, he's great. You just don't always know what you're going to get or what he's going to call. That was tremendous. Make sure that's racked, Alvy. <laughs> 1-800-636-8686. Didn't see that coming. And especially didn't see that coming when I came this close. I came this close to giving Larry what he wanted, and then two things happened. He tried to wave some democratic process bullcrap in my face. And then John and Little Rock. Stucknut. Stucknut says, Larry just got sugar raid. He just got sugar raid. Hey, listen, I'll get back to sports soon enough. I will. But every once in a while, jungle, the jungle takes front and center stage. I've always said the biggest topic on the show is the show itself, and especially on stuff like that. And yet it doesn't matter, right? It, my favorite thing about the show is that you can all hear the same thing, and you all have totally diametrically opposed polar opposite takes. Like, check this guy. Neil in Milwaukee. John in Little Rock was terrible. Is Alvy asleep at the buzzer? Dude, if by terrible you mean great, then you're right. He was terrible. He was not terrible. John in Little Rock at times has been terrible. I'd be the first guy to tell you that he's terrible. Hey, Rome, why are you right? Because I said so? Or, now how about this? Because I'm not always right. Why am I right? 
because he wasn't terrible. Do you see what he just did there? I, I can't believe I have to explain this to you, Neil. This guy just did a parody about how terrible Parody Larry is because Larry wanted on, and the song was all about why I should not let him on. This is pretty easy, Neil. It actually was really good. Really good. I am pumped to announce that Manscaped has launched their ultra-premium collection. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. So join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code ROAM. You can now enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra-premium collection. This package includes Manscaped Premium Deodorant, it dries clear, it's aluminum-free, and it smells like their signature scent. Plus, their hydrating body moisturizer. It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. And body wash with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with one easy step. And a free gift. A three-pack set of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. I'm telling you, this package is incredible. Get that ultra-premium collection hot right off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Rome at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Rome at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped. Robert Jones is my guest. Robert, good to have you back. How are you? Hey, hey, man. How you doing? Dude, I want to rephrase that. You and I spoke last year at this time, had a blast doing it. You're back in the tournament. So how does it feel this time around, and what's the vibe like around the team this week? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of excitement. You know, being in an NCAA tournament is always a, a, a tough feat to, to accomplish, especially coming from a one-bit league, which I guess most of the leagues around the country are. So it's always tough to, to make that happen. And um, the guys are excited. Uh, for me, I think last year I was probably – uh, I'm different excited <clears throat> because it was my first time going as a as a, a head coach. I, you know, I went as an assistant coach in 2012. So this time around, um, I'm very very excited. But probably not like uh, last year when it felt like the weight was off my uh, my shoulders last year. All right, that's kind of interesting. Last year you won your game in the first four, or yep. you did that. Now this year you're not in the first four, but. You are a 16. Is there any part of you that feels like the team is being overlooked and disrespected with that 16 seed? Oh, without question, there's a lot of part, a lot of part of me that feels that way. <laughs> okay. um, Man, I like I that. I think that um, you know, with 24 and six, uh, you know, it's hard to win 24 college basketball games. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if, if, if a lot of people understand that or realize that. And um, to be still placed as a 16 seed, honestly, I felt like you know, you might as well just put us back in the first four. Because at least the first four, you know, you go to play someone as a very, very like opponent. Um, and then you get a chance to play against, you know, a number one uh, seed. So it's almost a two-for-one deal. You know, you, you go, you put us against the number one seed, well, number one seed in the region, Baylor. Um, and like I said, I don't think that we should have we been even a 16 um, seed, honestly. 24 wins is hard to do. 
Oh, man, I love that response so much. Good for you. I love that. Is there any part of you that feels like you were overlooked? Yeah, there's a lot of me that feels like we were overlooked. It's hard to win 24 games. That That is a great answer. I respect that so much. Now, so you have this game against Baylor. You faced Wichita State. You faced Xavier. You faced New Mexico. These are tough teams, not the defending champs, but they are tough teams. How valuable do you think those games are for you when it comes to prepping for Baylor? I think it's extremely valuable because last year, you know, um, with the with COVID being at, at uh you know full tilt last year, we we didn't play the normal schedule that we would play. You know, going across the country playing different teams, we played more of a regional mid like a tough mid major schedule. We played you know James Madison, ODU, and uh, teams of that nature. And so when we played Gonzaga last year for the first time, that was the first time we played a high major all year. Usually by the time we re- we reach postseason, we've already played four or five, maybe six high majors throughout the year. So now the speed, the physicality, the strength is not like a, a shell shock to our guys. So this year, with us being able to play in Wichita and Xavier and New Mexico, and, and we had Loyola on our schedule, but it got canceled due to COVID, was that, uh, you know, we, we did that by design to make sure that we were able to basically get some practice against those kind of teams because we really felt like we were going to get back to the NCAA tournament. So we just wanted to make sure that we would be able to hopefully have a better a better showing against a, um, a high-major team in the NCAA tournament. Robert Jones joining me once again. Now, when you and I spoke last year, we talked about the fact that your mother always told you, don't be nervous. Don't you ever be nervous before games or big moments. And you had a really nice career, which we can get into in a moment. So I'm curious, what is your message specifically to the team before they take the floor on Thursday? Well, I told them uh, that this is going to be the first time on Thursday that – First time in about three, maybe three and a half months that we haven't been the favorite in a game. You know, we've been the favorite for a long time. We started off the season nine and one. Um, you know, best uh, start, ten game start in MEAC history, second best start in HBCU basketball history. And so we already had a bulls. I actually, hey, let me, let me just go back, Jim. Yeah. Coming into the season, we were picked preseason number one in our conference. So that's that was the bullseye. Then we start off nine and one, and then we, you know, we start off six and zero oh in conference. So we've been we were leading the conference basically from beginning to end. We never fell to second place at all. You know, even with our bumps, uh, we never fell to second place. So we led from the beginning to end in conference, and then we won the regular season title, of course. And now you go into the the conference tournament as a number one seed, and everybody is trying to uh, trying to get you. So you know, you, you, we've been hunted for a long time. This is gonna be the first time on Thursday that we actually the hunter um, again. So I would say that a lot of the pressure that we had to go through for the last three months is uh, really off the table. You know, we should be able to just go in there with a clear mind, clear head, and just be able to play play basketball instead of worried about being upset because now we're trying to pull the upset. I like that. You guys have had the bullseye on your back from start to finish. Robert Jones joining us. Let me ask you about Joe Bryan Jr. He had 23 points and four rebounds in the championship game over Coppin State. He's your conference player of the year. He's the MVP of the tourney. I mean, this guy's always won. He won titles in high school, now in college. What's he mean to the team, not just in terms of production, but in terms of being a flat-out winner? You know, even though, even though he's our best player, <clears throat> he'll do all the intangibles that comes to win. You know, comes towards winning for winning, I should say. And that's uh, you know, he'll dive on the floor. He leads the team in charges. You know, he'll get in there and rebound at his size. He'll go in there if he's not rebound. He'll go in there and box out. He'll do all the the dirty things as well as being the leading scorer. You know, sometimes a lot of times these, these leading scorers, you know, they're prima donnas. They don't they just want to score the ball. They don't want to do the dirty work. They don't want to do the blue collar stuff. So he's like a blue collar lead, leading scorer, which is uh rare which leads to you know winning and then his leadership um you know all the guys engage with him and they like him and, and things of that nature and uh 
he's just able to, you know, keep these guys on a straight and narrow. And, he, and the other thing, too, he embraces our culture. Um, you know, he's a four-year kid, which is very rare to say in this day and age of the transfer portal. So he's been around our culture um, for a long time. And our culture, you know, always talks about winning. We always say we want, we're going to win no matter what the opponent is, who we have, whether it's, you know, injury, whether it's, you know, sometimes, you know, how it goes to suspension or anything like that. We just feel like we could, we're going to win. So he embraces that culture and he kind of rubs it off on everybody else. And um, he's had a success that, he, that he's had. He's going to probably go down as the most decorated player in um, NSU uh, Division One. Not, you know, not the leading scorer, but the most decorated player. I mean, he's really worked on his fifth – well, not, not worked on He has it. He has his fifth title. He has three regular seasons and two tournament titles. Um, so a lot of college kids can't say they went to college and got five titles of any sort. So uh, he's going to probably go down as the most decorated player in uh, NSU history, at least for right now. NSU coach Robert Jones joining us. All right, so ESPN ranked the coaches based on their playing careers. You and I got into that last year. They had you at number 41. We both felt that that was way too low. They've got you at 39 this year, despite the fact that you're a Division Three All-American. Do you feel like you're getting a little more respect this year, or are you still looking for that top 25 spot? See, see, I, I didn't see that poll yet, so I don't know who's ahead now of Now you know, so, Coach. But – but uh, you know, I don't. I don't think thirty nine. I mean, you know, uh, maybe I gotta dust off some old VHS to show some people how, what the kind of play I really was. That's you it. Know, I got something, and because um, thirty nine, you know, yeah, you moved me up too. But I gotta really see who's on that list that they think is you know thirty eight people are better better than what I was when I played basketball. Hey, listen, I was I gonna say thirty eight, thirty eight, but I don't think you need to see the list to know that there aren't fourteen better right in front of you. I mean. Do you need to see the list and yeah. know that you're top 25? You already know you're top 25, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I feel, without question, I feel that way. Of course. You got to feel that way. <laughs> so you're coming up now. Joe Bryant Jr., one more thought. He said that the team yeah. is family. His teammates are his brothers. Yeah. I just heard you mention culture. He talks about the coaching staff being a set of father figures. Like, how would you sum up that culture? That seemed, Everybody talks about that, but to hear a star player say, my teammates are my brothers, the coaching staff is a set of father figures, that seems really unique. How have you built and developed that there? Well, what we've done is um... – you know, we, we really try to preach family all the time. We, we tell those guys that, that they have to be brothers. If we're going to be successful, we feel like the team needs to be like their brothers. So, you know, they, they do a lot of things together. We do a lot of things together. You know, those guys will come over um, to my house and we'll have dinner or we'll just have team functions over at my place and they'll have their own stuff and then we'll do stuff together. You know, we'll go to Top Golf or we'll go to bowling and we'll do a whole bunch of things just to build. Uh, culture, you know, some of those things we had to limit in the, in the last two years because of um, COVID times, but um, we still do the things like, you know, the dinners at my place, and uh, we used to always watch, like, the Mayweather fights and stuff like that, so, you know, we, we do a lot of different things that, um, to promote the, the family culture, because the one thing I want the guys to understand is that no matter how I am on the court, because I'm very intense and I'm going to get after them on the court, is that I'm just really like a regular person, a down-to-earth person, I think the rest of the coaches are too, and I, so we try to have that happy balance of them understanding that um, the, that also ego that we have with the court is not really who, who we are as a man. 
And I think that a lot of those, those guys understand that, which creates the, the, the family atmosphere. All right, so one quick follow. You mentioned Mayweather. I'm curious. When you used to watch him fight, dude, would you look at that guy and hold him up as an example to your team as, dude, this guy's work ethic is unbelievable. This guy's athleticism is unbelievable. This guy's defense is unbelievable. This guy never even gets hit. Or was there any party that'd be like, dude, can you take some chances? Maybe Floyd, like I understand you're the best in the world, but can we get a little <laughs> more of a show? Like, what did you think when you watched him fight? Uh, I mean, you know, like you said, he was, uh, I think he fought for so long and, and he still, you know, dibbles and dabbles because he didn't get hit. So it wasn't like, you know, he took a lot of punches during his career. Um, but I do agree. I think that sometimes the fans wanted a little bit more of a show, but I think at the end of the day for a guy like Mayweather and, and the same thing I tell my Spartans is that, no matter if we win pretty or we win ugly, we need to win. So, you know, and he, he won at the highest level with an unblemished record. And, um, you know, we, we, we try to do the same. That's it. Scoreboard. And there are some certain business decisions. And Floyd was real smart like that. Real smart like that. He is the head basketball coach at Norfolk State. Ninth season there. I love that matchup. They're going to get a crack in the East as a 16th seed against Baylor on Thursday. Robert Jones, my guest. Robert, great to have you back. Really do appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate you, man. Gino, what's cracking? Yeah, Romy, thanks for taking my phone call as always, my man. Um, you know, I realize that, uh, especially today, other things are going around in the news and no one really cares to talk about the Players' Championship, much less the announcers for the Players' Championship. But does Gary Koch think that referring to someone's three-wood as less than driver, does he think that's clever because it's really not? Hey, Gare, every time Azinger goes to you and says, what club's he going with on that second shot? If he's got a three-wood in his hand, just say he's got a three-wood in his hand. Because you know what less than driver is? It's any club that's not a driver. It could be his putter, the gap wedge, a foreign, anything that's not a driver. Stop trying to be clever and just answer the question, you old dork. And on the subject of old dorks, I've been trying to get this take off about Tom Brady for a while, bro. Tom, do you know why it is that anyone ever even cared about you? It was because you were playing football at a historically high level. You see, it wasn't actually you that we were interested in, Tom. It was literally anybody that could win as often as you were, and that just happened to be you. But it wasn't actually you, per se, Tom, the human being, because you're not that interesting. In fact, you're pretty boring. And now that it's become clear that you're some sort of pathological narcissist that has to form press releases anytime anything else is grabbing some shine off you you're actually becoming a nuisance you know that tom brady movie about tom brady starring tom brady written by tom brady nobody outside of a bunch of sycophantic new englanders even care about that and these are the same people that think goodwill hunting and the town are feel-good documentaries and hope their kids grow up to be relatively smart janitors and or bank robbers preferably both and Romy. Why do fading sports stars think that we want to hear about them once they are soon to be irrelevant? To the point, why does Hope Solo have a podcast on Sirius XM? The first time I heard the ad for the Hope Solo Speaks podcast, I thought maybe Baby Yoda had learned how to talk. But no, we're actually talking about Hope Solo, the female soccer for, or former soccer player who has apparently stopped assaulting family members long enough to record her own podcast and says she's going to set the record straight and that everybody has been talking erroneously about her. You know what, Hope? Nobody's talking about you other than your parole officer. And I know Andy Warhol said everybody gets 15 minutes, but do they all get a podcast or a movie that they wrote about themselves? 
athletes that are on your way out the door, show some dignity and just go away. We only liked you when you were relevant. And now that you're not, the guy who takes my order at the Wendy's feels way more relevant to me than you do. Thanks, Ronnie. You too. Oh, man. Rack him. Like, that's smack-off material. It is. On a random Tuesday. John in Little Rock. What's going on, John? What's up, Rom? Long time, baby. I love the show. Don't take Larry's call. He will never make it better. He will never make it better. Don't take Larry's call. Cause he will write a scarlet letter. He will write a scarlet letter. Don't take Larry's call. Don't, don't, don't take Larry's call. Cause he will never grow up to be Gorilla Ball. Don't. Rack him. John and Little Rock. Right when there was a groundswell of support for Parody Larry, Parody John and Little Rock comes with a parody about not taking his call. How good is that? Good night, Nashville!